football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Willie Cofield, Twin Peaks, getting ready for Monday Night Football with the uh, Bears and the Steelers. Back to all the Raider stuff in less than 15 minutes. So the frenzy, some recap of what happened yesterday. How many people do you know that bet the Jags plus 14 and a half against the Bills? Not only the cover, but my God, Buffalo was terrible. And you know what? I'll give a lot of credit to Jacksonville up front. They pressured the hell out of Josh Allen with Josh Allen, which everyone loves. Josh Allen v. Josh Allen, and Josh Allen won. The other Josh Allen won. Yeah. Or is I, he the Josh Allen? If I'm not mistaken, I believe I saw, was it 51% of dropbacks? I believe it was that game that Jacksonville pressured Josh Allen the he most. Was, the he was most running of, The for most of any quarterback, I think, since 2017. I have to look that up, but I know I saw a graphic earlier. 51% of the dropbacks under pressure. Hurried, hit, sacked, whatever. Um, and he, he completed 31 of 47 passes for 264 yards, but two interceptions and a fumble. Um, just not good. He also blew it on their final play. Um, he wound up throwing an incomplete pass upfield yeah. to Diggs, and I think it was Sanders who was open in the flat for a first down. So, but he was running for his life the entire game. It's hard to throw on the run. Um, that said, the these are the spots where you're like, Josh Allen is really good, but he ain't quite the best guys. He's not Rodgers. Well, I'll say he's not Mahomes. Mahomes so far this year hasn't been awesome. But, yeah, the offensive line was terrible. Um, as O.J. Simpson was saying, former Buffalo Bill, they can't run the ball. I think we'll have that clip a little later on. O.J. was very annoyed uh, by the uh, Bills' and, uh, inability to run the ball. And then the other thing we didn't factor in, um, I know these Manning casts are sporadic, but if a player goes on, current day player goes on the Manning cast, they will lose, and they will lose badly. Look at the record this year. Kelsey goes on week one, lost in week two. Russell Wilson week one, lost week two. Gronk week two, lost week three. Stafford week three, lost week four. Brady week seven, lost week eight. Josh Allen week eight, lost week nine, and it was the Buffalo Bills Josh Allen, not the Jags Josh Allen, which by the way, not to rub salt in the draft wound of the Raiders now that Damon Arnett has been cut on the heels of Henry Ruggs ending his career. But Josh Allen, instead of Cleef Earl, now Raiders fans may come back and go, oh, we've got two great rush ends. You're right, but maybe you wouldn't have had to go and spend the money on Ngakwe, and that could have prevented one of the offensive line from the linemen from going bye-bye, or the money could have been put elsewhere. Ngakwe's been great. But imagine the other Josh Allen on a, on a rookie contract right now. Playing yeah. the way he's playing for the Jaguars. Hindsight, of course. No, 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 not really. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who are like, that Josh Allen right there, that's another Khalil Mack. I'm not saying he's there yet. Uh, but if you remember back to the furl draft, everyone's like, wait, what? At four? He's supposed to go like 15th, 18th in the 20s. Josh Allen was the prototypical rush end, and he, he showed it yesterday. He was a beast. He's actually he's been very good all year. Yeah, and well – it's just surprising when you see something like that because you have to question. You wonder, 
is this the defense that is this a, is this a defense that where has it been or is Josh Allen and that offensive front that bad because you you're you're sitting there looking at at what's taking place and it's it's a little questionable when the Bills are now their passing offense it's third highest or, or excuse me third best in sack percentage they're normally pretty good 3.6 percent and i don't think That's this is third a, lowest i don't think this is emblematic of like a major problem i think this is what happens especially in college football but it happens in the nfl sometimes you know this straight line of consistency that ain't the way it works especially there are good teams that sometimes can't deal with prosperity and i think the bills clearly overlook the jaguars yeah you can well you definitely can't plateau in this league you have to continually get better you cannot rest on laurels um they come off of a win over Miami and two straight games. They're on the road at Jacksonville and at the New York Jets. And that's not going to be easy next week. They're going to be pissed off that they couldn't score a touchdown. Um, but I surely don't think that they looked past Jacksonville onto the Jets. I just think that they probably figured that they were going to go in and dominate that. And Jacksonville is a team that wants wins. And you know what? Let's just put it out there. Jacksonville may not be any good, may may not be that good, and we've been very critical of Urban Meyer and his coaching decisions, but if anything, the players, they're improving. They're wanting to get better. They don't they don't want to go lose. They've now won two of their last three. They beat Miami, went into the bye week. They lost at Seattle. Now they've beaten Buffalo. They're going on the road and play Indianapolis next week. Then they got two home games against San Francisco and Atlanta. Who knows if you can't really say that they're not going to win those games with the way that they've performed. So teams are getting better. It's early. It's one game. I thought addition by subtraction with the Browns. I heard Colin Cowherd, our outstanding national host over on Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM, theorizing that, hey, maybe Baker Mayfield was more relaxed without OBJ being a pain in the ass. Around him, uh, he had a he had a solid game yesterday, and you know they're getting healthier with the run game. They, I mean, they kicked the crap out of the Bengals. Remember Steve Smith last week who wanted to start pointing fingers on the OBJ Baker Mayfield breakup. You are pretty good, and Baker Mayfield isn't. Now I know Baker yeah. may not like this because I know he hears things. But son, let me just tell you something. Focus here, folks. I would have loved to hear. You're not very good, and Odell is moving on because of you, bro. Odell's love. By the way, Odell is on waivers today. Let's see if anyone picks him up. He put it out there who he wants to play with. Oh, awesome. Good. Good. Yeah. I, I really hope a lousy team picks him up. Um, yeah, Mayfield was fine yesterday. He's not supposed to be 45 throw a game, Baker Mayfield, not with that run game. And if you notice yesterday, eight different receivers got catches from Baker Mayfield. Did anyone, maybe I missed it, did anyone come out after the game and piss and moan about not getting the ball enough? No, they didn't. So is that, a, is that a Mayfield problem or an OBJ problem? Well, it's a Steve Smith problem. It's a certain receiver problem. Yeah, it's a receiver's problem. I'm saying, I don't want to say all receivers because that's not fair. No, it's not a, all guys d- are like that. Disgruntled but, receivers yeah. who me want guys. the ball. Me, me, me. They forget about the team um, and think that they can do it all, but – you know, you talked about, well, was it because he felt less pressure without backup? Is it the team, the, the camaraderie? What is it? You know what? I think, personally, and what we've seen from Baker Mayfield, kind of a hip young dude, right? 
He plays with the chip on his shoulder. He has a little bit of that swag. I think that Steve Smith fired him up and lit a fire. And I think that part of it, part of that win yesterday and the way that that offense played can be credited to Steve Smith's mouth. Chiefs fault, Packers fault. How is Jordan Love's S.O. and mom in the last row of Arrowhead? I got to think that's the Packers fault. Because I, well, I, I do, I would love to ask the two of them, like, did you not ask about these tickets and how bad they were? Who do you blame? The Chiefs stuck it to Jordan Love, or maybe this is the way the Packers are used to their quarterbacks treating their families. You're not going to recognize that? That was a good one. I did see that. Right? So They're like, yeah, Rodgers never asked for anything for his family. Yeah. yeah, we don't care. We'll just put him upstairs. Listen, it's easy to – it's too easy to blame the Chiefs, but it's obvious – I mean, what are they going to do? They're, they're not going to do anybody any favors. This has to fall on the Packers first. They're not standing up and saying something. Absolutely falls on the I was David. reading there's an allotment for the uh, the road team gets an allotment of decent yes. tickets they can give. So sure. why, why is Jordan Love's mom and SO sitting up with their back on the freaking last row? And By the way, how, whoever got the snitch out there so that CBS could put it on TV, brilliant, or Fox, whoever got it. Awesome. Just to see them upstairs, yeah, his, watching watching their loved one. His girlfriend and mom make the trip to Arrowhead to watch him in his what starting debut, right? Big moment, the second year pro. He's in Kansas City, in the loudest stadium in the NFL, allegedly. Um, I've been there. You've been to Arrowhead, obviously, Steve. Uh, and they are at the top of the, of the stadium. Um, and I'm just curious. I mean, when they do, when they give them, don't they? I would imagine, like you said, they get their allotment, but they turn the tickets over to position. Like they turn it over to, to the Packers, right? They say, here's your tickets. The Packers didn't check them out ahead of time. Like I said, maybe they just, they, they're used to Rodgers asking for nothing. And they're like, oh, this quarterback actually may need something from us. All right. Well, Damon Arnett is gone. That's the big story of the last day and a half, aside from the fact that the Raiders lost a game. I was thinking they could win. Raiders now 5-3. and three. They've got another distraction gone here. Some of the stuff that Mike Cox said today was a bit distressing about knowing about the problems, and it just didn't work out. Um, and now we're getting this, oh, it must be Vegas. Oh, it's dangerous to bring guys to Vegas. Willie and I are both freaking heated. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. There's always going to be things that happen in life, whether regardless of what field you're in. If you're in football, if you are just a anybody, any any kind of field, you know it's going to be adversity, and it's all about how you respond. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Raiders, Zadik and Gakwe, talking about overcoming distractions. They had major distractions. The uh, horrific distraction last week provided by one Henry Ruggs. And now Damon Arnett cut today. So both of the first-round picks from 2020 are gone. Willie and I, Willie Ramirez is here. It's Cofield. Both a little concerned about the fact that the Raiders knew Arnett was a risk. When you go back to that draft, most people had Arnett, the experts, had Arnett slotted as a second or third round pick. 
Raiders had to get Arnett. And then Mayock admits today, like, yeah, we knew about the problems. And Ohio State knew about the problems. And they thought that we could manage it here in Las Vegas. So, to me, Willie, it's pretty clear when pro athletes come to Vegas and they get in trouble, that ain't a Vegas problem. That's a those athletes problem. That's an Arnett problem. That's a Henry Ruggs problem. I don't know what they're doing with their football players, some of them, in Tuscaloosa and Columbus, Ohio, but that ain't a Vegas problem. It ain't a Vegas problem with the Golden Knights. Doesn't seem to be a Vegas problem in large part for UNLV football and basketball, the two big programs, right? But now we've had multiple Raiders get in. This is three Raiders get into car accidents, one killing one of our locals. Another, Josh Jacobs, escapes, is still on the team. The other, Arnett, is now gone because he also paired the accident with some stupid video where he's waving a gun around threatening someone. But we're, we're hearing more and more every week. Eh, Vegas, Major League Sports. And I'm telling you, if you listen to this show, I told you five years ago that the NFL's cocky attitude about, hey, is Vegas good enough? To have an NFL team? No, no, no. Are you going to clean up your act, NFL, so that we feel safe here? We have a nice community. And based on the penalties that are handed down consistently for problem NFL players, I wasn't sure that we wanted the NFL here. Well, we got them. And now we're seeing some of these problems come up. And then there's this one today. This is a doozy, especially the way it's packaged. It's kind of weak. But Peter King said, this thought occurred to me. After one smart official from another NFL team asked me over the weekend, quote, do you think it might be Vegas? I can tell you, I'm glad I'm not working with a team in Vegas. Here we go. Now, at this moment, if you could get our blood pressure between Willie and I, it's uh, it started going up last week. And when I see something like this, uh, PK says, seems like a conclusion jump, but what if the city that rarely sleeps is really a detriment for team building and a detriment for young players flushed with cash for the first time in their lives? Are young players in Cincinnati, Minneapolis, Green Bay, or Seattle driving 156 in the streets at 3.30 on a Tuesday morning during the season? Now, we don't have to go down the crime blotter in all NFL cities over the years, but Willie, we're seeing this stupid narrative thrown out there again this is one of the lead voices for the NFL. This is his league. How dare people throw out there that this is an us problem and not an NFL problem? Mike Mayock addressed this today. So I'll start with his comment. Do you believe that being in Las Vegas for a young player that it's maybe more difficult to be disciplined? He said, there is always conversations about different players and what their fit is in a community. Can a country kid live in a big city or vice versa? There is always conversation. What kind of culture does the kid come from? How will he fit? And I think that's part of the conversation. We always talk about the fit for a young man. That will he fit here? And we do have to be aware of Vegas. But my thing is, in just about any mid to big size city in the country, if you want to find trouble, you can find it. Our job is to find the kids that will get past that. Correct. Exactly, Mike Mayock. You must find the kids that will get past that or that you can mold because whether you want to believe it or not, 
These are still young men that are fresh out of college in their wild years, whether they're student athletes or not, 18 to 22, and then they and then you're they're millionaires. Um, but I will say this, and I will ask why we are. Can we let me ask you this? So, or I'm not even gonna ask you because I'm just going off. If we're going to blame Vegas on the detriment of people like Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett, why are we not blaming Las Vegas that Darren Waller has found success with his recovery when he couldn't while he was with Baltimore? Why is Max Crosby successful with his recovery? Why is it that Las Vegas and all of its glitz and glamour in less than 12 hours, this community raised more than half a million dollars and came in droves to donate blood for victims of the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. How about the community that came together for a high school football Miami, cheerleaders and its coaches and its support parents when they were stranded in Las Vegas because of Hurricane Irma? This is athletics. This is entertainment. These are different levels. This is a community that is very beloved, deep-rooted, good history, family ethics. Yes, it is still Las Vegas and the gambling, but it has transitioned because of people like Steve Wynn back in the day who I know he has his issues and he did have his, his allegations and accusations, but when he ushered in the resort with the with the Mirage, the first resort on the Las Vegas Strip, and turn this into a somewhat family place to visit with the resorts and the different attractions. How many Golden Knights have been said, "Wow, this is"? Jack Eichel was asked about it today. Have you been told that this is much more than the Las Vegas Strip, and that there's much more to it to raise a family? Guys like Mark Andre Fleury and Ryan Reeves, who are no longer here. But they want to come back here. They want to own home because they want to raise their family here. How about the Las Vegas Aces? Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum. People that you have become in love with when their season is taking place. How about the long-standing minor league club that Don Logan has been the president of? The fifty-one, the Stars, the 51s, the Aviators. These are professional franchises that are also here. It has nothing to do with bringing professional sports to Las Vegas and it damaging the athletes and young minds and, and being a detriment to them. It's the culture in which comes with the person that's coming out here. Henry Ruggs made a horrible decision, RIP Tina Trentor. Damon Arnett has issues. He admitted in that interview that we had, he had that he had issues he had to overcome, and obviously he's got demons he is still facing, anger issues, whatever it may be. These are individual episodes that they brought to our town, to our city, that nobody asked for. Las Vegas didn't inflict anything upon Henry Ruggs or Damon Arnett or, for that matter, the mind of John Gruden for seven years worth of emails. These are individuals that were in their own mindset, 
grew up in their hometowns, how they lived, how they believed. They didn't come to Las Vegas and all of a sudden adopt the mindsets that they have now. They brought that mindset here. Yep. You have low character, then Vegas will get you. Domestic drafts under four bucks and appetizers for $2, $4, and $6, all at Twin Peaks. I don't know what's going on with these great quarterbacks, but it seems that they're setting up deep, surveying the entire field, and then they're scrambling, trying to make something happen. It seems like they need to throw the ball on time. You know, get these three-step drops and get rid of the ball. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. OJ spitting knowledge. Yeah, Derek Carr a little bit late. Got suckered by McKinney on that pass. Pick six, and that turns out to be one of the big differences in the game as the Raiders now 5-3. and three. They lose on the road to the Giants, but it's the distractions around the Raiders that we'll get back to with Ruggs last week and now Damon Arnett has been released by the team. Uh, meanwhile, the team that hadn't been able to win a game in town on the football field, UNLV, got the job done in Albuquerque. Fun game to watch, as we said, Friday. You picked them? Do I need to have REC? He won't be able to find it, so no. the Commodore 64 is not when we had cutting Brad up, up audio in, at, a, in w- split seconds. So when we had Brad up and then we closed the show, You, uh, I believe it was Friday. He did. Thursday, I can vouch. Thursday, Friday. But uh, I said, you know, you gave this, you gave your pick from Albuquerque, whoever your your lock was. I believe it was a pro game. But I said, my lock of is UNLV first win under Marcus Royal. Okay. Bada bing. All right. I believe you. I don't like those, those endings. I'm trying to get the hell out. Maybe I wasn't fully concentrating. Um, so a lot of cool things from the game. Uh, first of all, watching the guys celebrate at the end of the game, like Kyle Williams running off the field. He's like, and he was kind of joking, but also happy. He's like, you know, my first college win. I mean, that guy's in his sophomore year. Yeah. That's how long this thing's been going on, upwards of whatever it was, 712 days without a win, and then the shortened season a year ago. So that was cool. They actually gave the the Gatorade ice bath to Arroyo. Yeah. I don't know if you watched Arroyo on uh, TV in the post game. We'll get to what he was saying that people took uh, some issue with. But um, I talked to him after the game, you know, immediately after the game. Usually we wait like, you know, 25 minutes. But I talked to him right after the game, and he was like nothing but even killed. He is – if you if you listen to him, now he he, he was pretty – I'm not going to say emotional, but there were a couple of gut-wrenching losses where you could see he was like down. Distraught, but most of the yeah. time he is kind of even kill, and it wasn't a big surprise in a win – he basically said, hey, we, we did the right things. We did what we been preaching, you know, the small things you need to do to win football games. We did it tonight. But there were a lot of stories in the game, Willie, that were really cool. First of all, Freel, Cameron Friel did throw an interception, but he had a very good game. You're talking about a true freshman who's had trouble getting through games because of injuries. Um, this is also a guy, because of injury, who didn't play his senior year of high school football. So he hadn't played uh, since his junior year. He got here early in the spring. And you're seeing, you know, little by little – the progress, he went out and he you know, turned out to be the freshman of the week. He was 20 of 33 for 227. Uh, perfect ball placement on a Kyle Williams bomb for 75 yards. And you know what helped him the most? The offensive line. Zero sacks. He got the ball out. He has a little bit of escapability. But for the most part, the pass pro was good. And keep in mind, they are pass protecting 
without any of their tight ends available right now. Their yep. tight ends are Daniel Godfrey, a walk-on local, who is 5'6", 250 pounds, and a bowling ball specialist on special teams. Um, Gui Olatoa, who was a Juco transfer linebacker, who got switched to tight end a couple of weeks ago. And then the other thing you're doing is you're going with this power look with uh, Gemini Lutu Ulu, who's a redshirt freshman, massive fellow, a guard who's 340 pounds. Those are their tight ends right now. And that group and the line, which, by the way, Clayton Bradley, I don't even know if he played, but I know he's not hes not the guy now at left tackle, so they've replaced the left tackle. All of that going on, and they did a nice job pass protecting. Which is something that, you know, was a problem because you, you brought it up that Friel was having trouble finishing games. Um, and I can't think of which game it was. Was it the San Jose game where we were all up at the press box and, and – but. Well, oh, I mean, San no, Jose, no, San Jose we, tried to stand up after Utah getting folded State. in half. That was there. Utah yeah. State, Utah game. State, same thing. The Utah State game. Where he's on, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, watching him play this year. Yeah. Uh, the fourth quarter always includes him limping around and on the bike. And this is not questioning his toughness. It's just every he's game hit. he's getting crushed. Yes. So that's a big step up, not only for him, but for obviously, like you said, the offensive line. And you know, this is a team that has endured so much physically and mentally because when you take account those heartbreaking losses you this team could be could have been defeated and the way that it continued to compete week after week for Marcus Arroyo the way that Marcus Arroyo you talk about even keel outside of those couple of dejected post-game conferences he's always he's he's kind of this cool he was he was. He seemed a little bit more of an angry coach last season, but with the frustration, and everything with the, with the shortened season and us questioning him, but for our justified reasons, with with the way he was conducting press conferences and holding players back and not making people available and closing this and that. Um, but the the bottom line is, he has he has continued to keep that even keel mentality and stayed positive with his troops. And giving them that confidence boost that he's believed in them, and they're playing for. I think this is a, is it's a it's a testament to Royals' dedication to these guys that they are just not only just playing for themselves, but they are really playing for the, him. I think at this point and that coaching staff, because you see the way that they're losing games, and now the way that they won this particular game, and it was bound to happen. Yeah, you can see a lot of teams reacting. After you know losing close game after close game, and then getting blown out by Reno, and going, you know what? Screw this guy, man. Yeah. This ain't working. By the way, here's uh, Kyle Williams on that bomb from Friel. Pistol formation, play action fake to Charles Williams. Friel has time. He's got an open man down the right side. It's caught. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Rebels. And that is Kyle Williams. So one big play leads to another, and the. Rebels turn the tables on the Lobos with a 75-yard strike immediately following Cole's 75-yard run for New Mexico. Yeah, there was a 75-yard run right before that by New Mexico. Again, moment, and the Rebels came right back and went over top. Good ball in stride. Actually, Williams in stride reached up to catch it, and uh, it's too bad. It was too bad. I was actually walking to the other end of the field at the same moment to check something out. Uh, I can tell you where he caught the ball. I would have been stride for stride all the way to the end zone. With no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been able to. No. No. You couldn't keep up with no, that was, reporting? No, that, that wasn't going to happen. One of the great stories in this game, well, it's a crappy story to start. Austin Ajake, it looks like he's got a uh, broken wrist. So he's on the trip, and then he doesn't suit up, and then he's got a, a cast or a brace 
on the uh, the left arm, which ain't good because he's one of the two leading tacklers on the team. I mean, if you're looking at a defense that has struggled in certain positions, it has not been a linebacker. So then Roger K's out. They're facing an option team. Hal Beaudry, who plays special teams, backs up at linebacker, Liberty kid, a little bit undersized, you know, kind of a fire hydrant type dude. And then all of a sudden he's got to go in to defend the option. And the option's a giant pain in the ass. If you listen to the broadcast, and Caleb's always awesome, Russ on the call there, um, Caleb all game long, or first half especially, just assignment, assignment, stick to your assignment. You know, just tackle the guy you're supposed to tackle. Don't hesitate. Don't go to someone else. And um, Beaudry did a good job of that. Brennan Scott, who's a redshirt freshman, did a great job of it in the second half. Beaudry caused a couple of fumbles. Uh, boy, Winman went through all the stats today. It was it, it was a very big game for the the junior out of Liberty. Well um, coached. Yeah, I mean he's. Uh, I, I was impressed. I was impressed. I was uh, I was a little worried before the game. I'm like, my God, this is this is not an easy thing to diagnose the option. And Beaudry played a really really good game. And the other thing I, I'll tell you, uh, from an injury standpoint, they've lost a bunch of guys over the year. And they had a, an unfortunate injury during the game. Um, no one pays attention to stuff like this. But if your long snapper sucks, then guess what? You know it and you hear about it. And you'll notice Daniel Gutierrez is 26 to 27 on kicks, including extra points this year. The ball doesn't get there the right way yeah. from Rex Goosen, then you're in trouble. Well, Goosen went out in the first half. It turns out he's going to be out for the season. So now the backup, Walker Harden, is going to have to fill in a long snapper. Um, Arroyo had some really nice things to say about guys like Goosen, uh, Naki Fahina. His injury is undisclosed, but Naki's out for the year. Naki's like, you know, 5'11", 270, interior defensive lineman. And, you know, I thought it was important to get it out there that, hey, there are guys who've contributed to kind of keeping the team up. Like I've seen, especially Goosen on the sidelines is very interesting. He's super intense all the time. So, I mean, this is a long snapper, right? But I watch him all the time, and he is like, he's just fired up like focused all the time. So they're going to miss that. And uh, Nakahina, I've seen him in a couple of moments be, you know, kind of the, you know, stabilizing dude on the sidelines. So just want guys like that are important. They may not play the rest of the season, right. but what they did may do hopefully another win or two. They've got three games left Hawaii this weekend for the ninth Island showdown, San Diego state. And then they close at air force. Well, when you have guys that, that get their opportunity up to, you know, that next man up mentality and they get their chance it sort of shows some of the other guys when it's time for them to get back in the lineup. It, it shows, you know, what needs to be done. And it puts the pressure back on you that, hey, these guys are ready to play. You mentioned Kyle Beaudry. Come from a well-coached program from Rich Morocco. It's, you know, and you talked about the option. I mean, New Mexico gained 260 yards on the ground. They gained 36 yards passing. So those run times. They also the run they did nothing. That was almost all in the first half until the final drive New Mexico had. Yeah. They had less than 30 yards offense in the second half. That was the most rushing attempts UNLV faced this season, 48 rushing attempts. And so when you have, you know, guys that are that come from big-time programs and they, you know, Liberty's a program that's going to face that type of offense a lot. So he's he's a smart – he's a he's a very intelligent player, Kyle Bodger. I know because I covered him. The other thing I want to mention is uh, people are like, well, New Mexico's terrible, and they were going against their third-string quarterback. Hey, you know how they got to the third-string quarterback? They knocked out the second stringer. And just like in the games where UNLV got beat to hell and Brumfield got knocked out or right. Friel got knocked out at the end of the game, the defense gets credit for that. Like it wasn't Isaiah Chavez didn't fall on the ground in, in fluky fashion and then miss the rest of the game. He got destroyed by Beaudry on a tackle and limped off the field. Like the, the, the team that knocks the guy out actually gets credit for that. Well, it's part and, of the physicality of the game. Right. And, and the thing is, is I, I, 
I tend not to like those those people that do that that say, well, yeah, but they beat a terrible team. Okay, well, you know what? At that moment in that game, because Arizona snapped its losing streak, UNLV was the losingest team in the nation, so they were equally bad. And I assume. Oh, it, by, by the by, way, yeah, by gonna... the way, they won thirty-one to seventeen, so they beat a team the way that they were supposed to beat a bad team. I started to cut you off. Um, if you knew it was a terrible team, I assume everyone in town destroyed the books on that one, right? Because you were getting one and a half of the UNLV. So if it was that easy a victory, if then everyone happen. better have a winning ticket they cash or have in, in pocket right now. Oh, on the money line. Oh, yeah. And, on the money. And on the money line. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. I've seen the last two Bills games. They're putting way too much on Josh Allen. The scheme of things have to improve because they definitely cannot run the football. Allen hit from behind, and there it is. A sack for Josh Allen against Josh Allen. Allen, dangerous pass, is picked off. Rudy Ford on the interception. You got to get tough, a little smash mouth. (laughs) Hope you did well in your fantasy, and uh, good luck tonight if you got players planned. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. I know, crazy stuff. We got uh, listeners down here chatting it up. Um, do want to mention, before we get to Dave Koken, uh, UNLV just wins their first football game of the year. Uh, tomorrow is unofficially the beginning of the basketball season. Kevin Kruger radio show goes down over at the Orleans. That's tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Cofield and Company will be live at the Thomas and Mac. Then the Marcus Arroyo radio show will follow us. Then the game with the pregame. John Sandler and Curtis Terry are back, and I'll be on that broadcast as well. So UNLV is going to start getting super busy with football and basketball going on at the same time. So let's break down last week, and we'll look ahead a little bit. And we do have to definitely get the local take of Dave Koken because he's been here forever, and we got all these good local stories. But the first thing, Dave, first of all, how you doing, buddy? Just fine. Uh, first thing I want to get to is gambling spreading across the country. I was just in New Mexico. I've never seen anything dumber. I don't know what's going on there in terms of the rights on uh, gambling there, but they actually, they only do brick and mortar gambling. There's no apps available in New Mexico. So I was very frustrated by that. People in the New York area are like, wait, why are we going to New Jersey to make our bets? Well, they've fixed it in New York. They're going to go live at some point with sports gambling, but you sent out a tweet reading the details of it. They kind of screwed it up, didn't they? Well, the tax rate is insane. Um, looking at a 51% tax rate. So how does that translate to the sports better? I don't think you're going to get 20 cent lines. Let's put it that way. Yep. I mean, you might be looking at 30 or even 40 cent lines. So um, my so suggestion for anybody. Why would, why would anyone go bet in New York, especially if they live close to New Jersey? You're going to go across. If you're educated at all, you're going to go across to New Jersey and make your bets. Yeah, they'll get all the square action uh, in New York. People are non- don't know any better. <clears throat> but um, I can't see any any shop better uh, under these under these apparent guidelines. Uh, opening even bothering to open an account in New York, they'll just keep their uh, other accounts. If you know what I mean. Yep. Yes, their other accounts, the the ones that had been pushing for years and years and years to make sure legalized gambling. Uh, wasn't legalized and available in New Jersey right. and New York. All right, Dave, I got to get your take on on a, a couple of fronts. You and I, we do our podcast on Thursday nights, DC and the Sunshine Man, just like our old show. And, you know, you said your piece on rugs and, you know, talking about um, these supercars driving around Vegas like 
complete morons and buffoons and very dangerously. Now we see Damon Arnett is cut after putting out a video where he's waving around a gun and threatening people. We know he got into some fender benders. And then Mike Mayock today says, well, you know, we knew we had problems. We thought our structure could fix it. You, you've been here a long time. You and I talked about the NFL for years. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the NFL made it made it feel made us feel like, hey, you're lucky to get, uh, you know, the NFL in Vegas. Like now I'm starting to feel like, wait, do we did we want this? Look, look what this is bringing in, in at times. Well, I think it's clear to uh, hopefully to Mark Davis uh, and the people who work for him that they better do a little better studying on character uh, in forthcoming drafts and in terms of acquisitions that they make. Um, you know, look, Las Vegas, even though we know it's not the case, those of us who've lived here for a long time, it still has a reputation of anything goes, you know, it's, it's crazy. Everybody who lives there is nuts. Um, that's not the case, but incidents like this just fortify the reputation a little bit. And we quite frankly don't need that. Yeah. And I know you echoed the, uh, my sentiments on the podcast, but if you want to repeat it to the terrestrial audience, I mean, you know, driving around the city uh, when you see some of these high-powered cars owned by rich people and athletes can be a, a scary proposition. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And again, this speaks to, I mean, I, there's no way to 100% know what you're going to get with somebody. They can be an angel and all of a sudden go nuts when they get here. Right. But they can go nuts anywhere when they're on their own with a lot of money and time to kill. Um in a sense, the Arnett stuff is even worse than Ruggs. I, I mean, what Ruggs ended up doing was tragic, but this guy's crazy. Um, and and then now they're saying they know they had issues. Uh, then why did you take him in the first place? The 2020 Raiders NFL draft, it, it might already be, uh, when you look at what's happened to the players in, uh, that they drafted, the worst draft in the history of the league. Uh, NFL betting yesterday, Packers cover, but I feel like if Jordan Love has to play again, there's going to be some line value. Were you were you impressed by Jordan Love? No. no. Uh, but then I'm not going to write him off or anything like that. It was his first start, and the game was moving a million miles an hour, and they, uh, the Chiefs were smart enough to just keep blitzing him uh, basically every time he dropped back, and he wasn't ready for it. He'll get better. I, I think he, he's got a chance to be good down the road, but – Right now, he's a very unpolished. Well, he's not technically a rookie, but he might as well be. Uh, let's talk about a little college football from the weekend. First of all, I know you were tracking the San Jose State Nevada game very closely, and the the end of the game got a little oh. dicey. Yeah, it wouldn't have affected the full game line, but for second half betters, it would have uh, had an impact. It turned into one of those lateral deals on the last play, and uh, and they kept moving backwards. And fortunately, for Nevada betters, at least or I should say for San Jose betters, the uh, the ball went out of bounds at the one-yard line. Otherwise, it probably would have been another seven points for Nevada. Uh, that play never works. I, I don't – just try and move it as far down the field as you possibly can and then maybe try something. Um, but it's it's just basically got no chance of working because teams know it's coming, and it's it's just a joke. It's just get it down the field, and, and if you've got a play to run – by all means, just throw it as far as you can and hope you get pass interference. What did you think of Carson Strong with an extended look at what he was doing? Well, I've looked at him all season long, and he's got an NFL arm. There's no question about that. But he can't move. And in today's NFL game, I just don't see him as a viable option. 
he's just a statue back there, no mobility at all. So, you know, I know there's been some buzz about him, where he's going to go in the draft. I think it's going to be day two, maybe day three, before his name gets chosen. He'll get picked by somebody, but right. he's not going that high. Uh, you, you just In today's NFL game, you can't get a guy who's that immobile. Yeah, I think he's hurt, so that's cutting down his mobility a little bit, but even when he's healthy, he's uh, certainly not a gazelle out there. No. Uh, thoughts on Wake? Losing, you know, a high-scoring heartbreaker. Uh, is it bubble burst time coming up this week? You know, when a team loses uh, for the first time, that next week is tough to get up. Massive bubble burst uh, for them, the way it happened. I mean, I don't know that a Wake Forest had ever been rated in the top 10 of anything. And here they were sitting in the top 10, which means, you know, unbeaten. You got a chance to move up. 18-point lead in the third quarter. Still have two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Let it get away. Uh, and uncharacteristically, it was the offense that melted for them. The offense did a bad job in the fourth quarter. I don't know how they get back up for NC State this week. And likewise, Michigan State, which we saw this a, a few weeks ago with Iowa. Iowa was never the number two team in the nation, but it ascended to that number two ranking and lost a game. And then the next week, they, they were lost. I think it happens to Michigan State. They What were they, fourth in the uh, first uh, set of rankings? which they were never the fourth best team in the country. And now they've got a nothing opponent in Maryland with Ohio State on deck. I think Michigan State will have a real tough time in this game. Cincy didn't cover, didn't look impressive this week. They're 23 yeah. against Florida or South Florida. Yeah, maybe this is a team they can do a number on, but they're, they're kind of getting exposed uh, in a sense right now. Their defensive front isn't very good, and they've had holes run for them the last couple of weeks. Tulsa's got a good running game, but I, I – Look, that game maybe should have gone to overtime. I thought Tulsa actually scored at the end and had a chance, therefore, to make a two-point conversion and tie the game. Uh, the officials said otherwise, but uh, honestly, I thought they got it wrong. It was not a good performance by Cincinnati, and they're going to have to be really impressive down the stretch to have a chance to get into the top four. Dave Koken on Cofield & Company. We do uh, DC and the Sunshine Man podcast at 9 o'clock on Thursday nights. That's up at Steve Cofield, also up on YouTube, uh, Dave's stuff now can be found at wagertalk.com. Pretty much every day there's videos up, uh, dozens and dozens of folks picking games, and Dave is the best, uh, experts in town or in the country. You know, you guys know that. Let's close on this. Um, first of all, what do you think of the uh, UNL victory against New Mexico? Finally. Uh, they got the albatross off their necks, and I wouldn't be surprised if it carries over and we see them play well against a Hawaii team that they've got a chance against. So... And the line's low in the game, which tells you that UNLV's – they've got a real shot in this game against Hawaii. They're going to feel great. It should be a fantastic week of practice uh, for Coach Arroyo and all the players. And it's a long trip for a Hawaii team that really doesn't have a whole lot to play for at this point. Dave, we appreciate it. Thank you. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good. Wagertalk.com. Dave Koken is the man. Go check it out. we come back with the uh, Big Five at Four. Willie's here. It's Cofield. Here is Twin Peaks. We're getting ready for Monday Night Football between the Bears and the Steelers. And uh, we, of course, will get back into the Raiders' loss yesterday against a not-so-hot Giants team. And uh, also, what was going on with Terry Bradshaw and the rest of the Fox crew just annihilating Aaron Rodgers? Ice-cold 29-degree beer for under $4 and cheap appetizers all game long. Get down here to Twin Peaks.